Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the For the Love of Sports podcast. My name is Ian Vassera, and I'm your host. And I'm joined today by a very special guest. I'm joined by Sydney Malone, who's an administrator in the amateur scouting department for the Tampa Bay Rays, and she's been there since October of 2018. And while Tampa Bay doesn't have a title under their belt, Sydney certainly does, as when she worked back in the Cape Cod Baseball League, she was the assistant general manager for the Gateman in 2018 and helped piece together Wareham's first title team since 2012. The season before that, Sydney also worked for the Gateman as a player development and scouting intern. And back in her collegiate days, she also had a hand in the Ole Miss baseball team as well. So Sydney, thanks for coming on and how are you? Yeah, of course. I'm doing pretty well considering these words are <laughs> but yeah, just kind of trying to, all the days kind of blend together, but just trying to stay sane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm excited, excited to talk to you. I think you have a very unique um, background in baseball, especially being someone so young, but already someone that's kind of, you know, already high up working your way with a major league team. And I think you have a lot of good experience to share. Certainly you uh, have had your hand in some good rosters for sure between everything going on in Tampa right now and back in the Cape Cod days between what you guys were able to put together with Wareham. But Sydney, the first thing I want to ask you about was when I was trying to come up with questions and everything to interview for you, I was going through, pulled up the LinkedIn page, just made sure I had all the titles correct for whatever numerous jobs you've worked. And down there, I scrolled upon a little fun fact that said high school valedictorian. <laughs> it's not it's not as cool as it sounds. I only graduated with like 90 people. But so. still, that means wicked smart. Uh, eh. Eh. I think Not it's more, I just, I, I'm a huge perfectionist, and so it, I struggled with making anything that wasn't 100, whether it was like beating myself into the ground for it, so I wouldn't really say it's my raw intelligence. <laughs> I think it's more of just, I would, I had to do everything possible to make an A, so. Mm-hmm. Well, clearly it's, it's taking you places so far, that's for sure. Sydney, the first thing that I want to talk to you about is just, so the name of the podcast, For the Love of Sports, just when did your love for sports start, especially being on the female side of things, trying to get into professional sports? When did you realize you wanted to make a career out of this and actually, you know, work in baseball and not just, you know, consume it as a fan, like, you know, the majority of people do, but when did you realize you wanted to make a career and a living out of this? Yeah, um, I think my first kind of realization that I wanted to be in sports was when I was four and I thought I was going to be the second baseman for the Red Sox. Um, That didn't really pan out how I planned, but you know, I guess there's still time. Um, But yeah, so my dad played, um, I mean, baseball growing up and then he played at Mississippi State. So I went to Ole Miss, so we're kind of rivals there, but then he played a little bit of um, minor leagues. And so it's really just been in my blood and it's been really all I've known my whole life and so um, growing up I played baseball until they made me switch to softball Um, so I very reluctantly did so but um, played softball through high school and then you know I I really don't remember not wanting to work in baseball I mean there were definitely some times where I kind of was like you know this is crazy this is a crazy idea like all these people want to do it it might even you know good enough to do that and so there were definitely some career thoughts and career changes um in my head but you know I never really strayed too far from wanting to work in baseball so um I've been very fortunate that you know I've been able to do that so far so hopefully we see where it goes (laughs) you just mentioned when you were growing up you wanted to be the second baseman for the Red Sox so where did that love for the Red Sox come in I mean you're living down in Alabama now you're working for Tampa so where did that sort of Boston connection come from it's weird so my first t-ball team was the Red Sox and so for two years I was on the Red Sox and I think that was really the only thing I knew um and then I was nine or eight yeah I was eight in 2004 when they won the World Series and so you know, it's, that's really all I really remember about people asking this question all the time because, you know, people down here are either Braves or Cardinals fans, and then you have your, like, occasional Yankee and Red Sox fans. But, um, yeah, so I the, the only thing I know is that that's probably where it came from. I mean, my dad, when he played in minor leagues, was with the Oakland A's organization. So you would think, if anything, I would have been an A's fan. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I, I think that's really all I can think of is that that's where – the 
psychotic love of the Red Sox came. And so it was a little, <laughs> it's funny now because we're in the same division, you know, so it's, it's, it was a little weird at first um, kind of switching over and especially in the big, like 2019 season when we played the Red Sox, it was a little surreal, uh, but it, w- it was pretty easy to cheer against them though. So obviously, Sydney, you've mentioned how you haven't been with the Rays for too, too long, just yet sort of beginning your baseball career, career, excuse me. But so far in your experiences, what would you say have been the best and worst parts of your job so far? Yes. Um, So as far as experiences, I guess the best experience, um, I went to, a group of us went to the wildcard game in Oakland. And so as far as just experiences and not necessarily like my job description, but being there um and just there were a lot of us there and just having our own little section of raise employees and then raise fans and it was just an incredible experience just watching you know that that product that we put on the field and those guys one are incredible dudes and also incredible players obviously so it was it was very rewarding um just seeing that product on the field and obviously I didn't have any really firsthand and um like impact on the team on the field because I've been here for about a year and a half but just there were people with me that have been there for years and people who were there that have been with the race since the race started and so just experiencing that with them and seeing how proud they were of that team um it was a a really cool experience and then at the end of the game after they celebrated on the field they like we stayed in our little section and then the players kind of pointed up to us and looked up to us and clapped and kind of cheered for us for being there. And so it was, it was a really cool experience. But um, so as far as my job, I guess my favorite part is really just going out and watching amateur games. So like I said, I'm very new to this professionally. Um, I mean, I did a, I scouted on my own um, before I started working here, but that I look back now and laugh because nothing I ever said made any sense really. And so, um, just really going out and kind of being with um, – we're fortunate enough that in Florida there's a ton of amateur baseball, obviously, and they kind of play year-round. And so um, we have a lot of either area scouts or cross-checkers or national office staff kind of coming to Florida all the time. And so going out and watching games with those guys and learning from them and just sitting there and absorbing everything that they say and then, um, you know, listening to what they say, writing down what I think, and then going back and watching video and kind of piecing all that together. Um, that's kind of my favorite part, just because you can kind of immediately see, um, you know, I saw this when I was there, but then now I'm watching this video. Is it really the same? And so mm-hmm. that's a really, it's a really good tool, but also having the, um, like feedback and criticism of our guys. Cause I tell them all the time, you know, if you see a report that I write and something sounds weird or something, you know, you don't really know what I'm saying, please let me know. Cause I want to, I want it to, to be better. Um, and so having that feedback is probably one of the best parts of this job. Um, I don't really know what kind of the worst part would be. Um, I guess kind of just now, just kind of the unknown. Um, I, I think obviously this is a really sad time for us as a nation and, you know, baseball and sports as a whole. But I think in a few years we're going to look back or I know I will. And I'll be like, you know, that, that was a really tough time. And I hate, I mean, this virus ran rampant and it, it's really sad, but I think I'll be, I'll know how fortunate I was looking back and seeing how we operated during this time and how we were able to adjust and like really, cause this is a learning experience for everyone. Like no matter like if you've been here and working in baseball for, since 1998, when we started, or if you started when I did in 2018, you know, this is, we're all kind of in this same limbo zone. No one's ever been through this before. So um, just kind of the unknown and not really knowing um, what's going to happen, but I also am trying to see the positive in it and seeing how, you know, we have to work extra hard right now to kind of figure out what we're going to do. And so that process and that effort is really going to be beneficial later on. Mm -hmm. And so Sydney, you started to talk about it a little bit there, but how has this impacted your day-to-day routine and what would you normally be doing um, at this time with a person in your title? Yeah. So 
normally my day-to-day kind of office activities, um, activities, um, roles, whatever, <laughs> um, haven't really changed too much because um, we're still doing, you know, we're still functioning, we're still operating um, as an organization. And so I do just from on an admin standpoint, um, a, a huge bulk of my job during the spring is draft medicals and draft um, like anything kind of coordinating with MLB on any type of admin details, whether players are draft eligible, their draft ID, um, getting any medical information that we need, um, talking to scouts, seeing if they can get info if it's not submitted. Um, so that kind of everyday routine is kind of the same. Um, it's, it's different because we're not in the office and I can't just walk across the hall to our scouting coordinator or assistant director and be like, hey, what do we think about this? We should do this. You know, we have to pick up the phone and call. So um, that's a little, obviously a little different. Um, but as far as the day-to-day activities, nothing has super changed except for I'm not going out and watching games. Um, and so that's I, – I didn't realize – how fortunate I was to just kind of break away from the office and go to those games. Um, I don't think I really realized how beneficial just kind of that mental break of sitting in the office and looking at a computer and doing things on a computer and then going out and watching it physically. It's, it's a good, I mean, it's still challenging and my brain is still working very hard (laughs) when I'm watching those games, but it's, it's a different, you know, it's you kind Mm -hmm. of focus a little bit. So I miss that a lot um just going out and watching these guys but now I just watch video but yeah so have you been watching old games from the past season or from the summer or what have you guys been doing to sort of compensate for the lack of live games right now because obviously you can't do any live scouting yeah it's just really any video that we have um watching any video reading through reports um piecing together you know notes that we already had on players that you know, I, if I saw a certain high school player in the summer, um, but I wasn't able to see him in the spring, um, kind of watching video, filling in those gaps, that kind of stuff. Now, how difficult does it make it in terms of already as a scouting department, you guys are going to miss more than you hit in terms of players and prospects. You know, there's hundreds of thousands of players to kind of go through and, you know, Steph can think who are going to be the best players to play for the Tampa Bay Rays. What are we projecting to go forward? But how how difficult is that, especially right now when you don't even have that extra spring to look at someone? If you're saying, well, we're not sure if we want this player or if someone's, you know, normally in the springtime, if they make that jump from fall to spring or from summer to the next following spring and you don't really have that chance to see them, just how much more difficult does it make your whole operation? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say very difficult just because we have, you know, a, a small sample size from the season. And so there are a lot of players that would have you know that they started off hot and they would have leveled out um by the end of the season and there's a lot of players that you know started in a slump and they would have also kind of leveled out um by the end of the season so it's it's a weird it it is difficult just you know we don't we use that data but you know you can't really use it like you used to um I guess so for lack of a better word um but yeah it's hard just and two with a lot of the high school guys, especially the draft being shorter, um, a lot of those high school guys are just going to go to college just because, you know, they don't want to risk whatever. Um, and so, you know, we kind of have to shift, fo- shift focus there. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely a lot more challenging than if we would have had a season for sure. Mm-hmm. And then this is going to back into the summer, which is going to kind of push back, you know, 2021 draft events. And so – we're going to draft for 2020 and then we're everyone's going to kind of be behind for 2021 already because there would have been a lot of summer events that we would have scouted Mm -hmm. Um, but you know it's everyone's in the same boat so I guess we're not really behind if everyone's in the same boat so what's the mindset for the organization right now so you're kind of just saying that no one's really behind if everyone's kind of at that same level playing field but in terms of what you guys want to normally do and how you guys want to carry about your operation, obviously you can't do that exactly to a T right now. So how are you guys able to adjust and do the best you can? And just what's the overall mindset with everything that's going on? Yeah, I, I think our overall mindset, you know, is to just support each other and 
you know, we're going to get through this. There is another, there's another side of this. So even if you can't see it right now, it's going to be there at some point. And so I think just have everyone has the resources that we need, whether that's, you know, support in like different duties and people, you know, if someone has a lot more on their plate right now, because there's not a season, you know, there are people who can take on different responsibilities and we're all kind of flexible and we all kind of have that um, like ability to kind of do different things. And so um, just supporting each other, whether it's in that way or just supporting each other, you know, on a personal level. And this is, it's tough and it's, it's, it's especially tough for all the extroverts out there. Um, I am, I guess, lucky enough that I'm an introvert kind of. So this hasn't been as too, it hasn't been as difficult on me as I think a lot of the extroverts out there, but it, I definitely miss being in the office and being with, with my people. But um, yeah, I think the mindset is probably just support each other. You know, we're not going to, we have to do things differently and we've always done things differently. We're the rays, you know, so we, <laughs> this is just another thing that we have to do. Um, and so just making sure that we're all kind of getting, getting through it together. Mm -hmm. And I think definitely kind of going along with what you said, I think a lot of the people that I've talked to in sports, just in various different roles right now, it's kind of that whole same page, whether, you know, you're a high school coach or you're someone working up in, you know, a professional sports league. I think that's kind of the overall mindset with everyone. And I think that's really something that's encouraging and positive to hear the fact that no one's saying like, Oh, why this, why now it's just everyone sort of putting sports on the back burner, which is kind of what you have to do in this situation. So we can hopefully get through it and get to that new normal. So then sports can hopefully come back and proceed like we want them to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. My next question for you is obviously working with the Rays now, but there was a time where it didn't look like you were going to end up working in major league baseball this soon. Um, you initially went to law school and I then did. a couple months later, ended up working in Tampa. So just how did that transition happen? Because August of 2018, you leave the Gateman right as they're about to go on uh, Cape Cod title league run. And we'll get into that a little bit later. And the next thing I know, a couple months later, I see you're working for the Tampa Bay Rays. So just how did that happen? And just what transpired for you to end up working for the Rays? Yeah, a lot of things had to line up for sure. Um, so I left the Cape. Um, I went to Arizona State for law school for about two and a half months. And so we were in the middle of midterms and my, my whole plan kind of before this happened was that I wanted to, you know, get the law degree. I never wanted to be just a lawyer, but I wanted to work either at an agency or at the union or um, doing some type of legal aspect in baseball ops um, with the team. And so that was kind of the path that I was trying to go on. And so midterms come around and I get a call from um, our director of staff development and recruiting and she's it's like six o'clock in the morning I don't think she knew that I was in Phoenix <laughs> um, and so she was just like hey Sydney you don't know me but I work for the Rays and we have this job and we want you to apply for it um, you know that we know you're in law school and we know it would be a big transition but kind of think about it and if you can let me know tomorrow that'd be great and I was like oh tomorrow okay so I kind of ran around you know my, I wasn't in my sport law classes yet but I knew those professors already and so I kind of went to them and I was like you know what do I do you know <laughs> like this is what mm -hmm. this is what I want to do and I wasn't expecting it to kind of be this early um and they all were pretty much like you know Sydney law school will always be there this job's not going to always be there. Like it, it's hard enough to get your foot in the door. And if you can do it now, do it. And then if you end up wanting to go back to law school, do it. And so, and then I called Andy, who is the GM of the Gateman and he, who is a lawyer. And so I was, and he pretty much said the same thing, you know, he is like law school is going to be there. If you want to do it later on, do it. This job is kind of probably a once in a lifetime opportunity and it's a great organization. And by this point, you know, everyone kind of, had the knew that kind of how the Rays are in our, our organization and stuff like that and so everybody was like you know the Rays are a great organization they're going to help you grow um just go for it so I did and <laughs> I went through about a three-week process and they hired me so 
I think I was hired on like October 11th or something like that. And so I left Phoenix that next week and then started October 29th. So it was pretty much the most un-Sydney Malone thing to ever do um, <laughs> because my whole life has always been, you know, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to major in this. I'm going to go to law school and then I'm going to try to do this. And it, it was, it's definitely, it was definitely a blessing. Um, and I've learned, I learned a lot about myself in that process that, you know, I need to have a path and I need to have goals, you know, but I've kind of thrown out the thought of having any type of plan because it usually doesn't turn out <laughs> how I think it's going to. Um, yeah. So that was, that was the process of getting to Tampa. And so the big question for that, for me anyways, is how were you able to get your foot in the door and get that call? Um, because a lot of people, especially trying to get into the sports business, you know, making that initial connection and then having the opening, those are kind of the two things you need because it doesn't really matter if, you know, you have that connection, if there's nothing open, obviously it helps for down the line if something becomes available, but just how were you able to capitalize on that and make that connection to get into the business? Yeah. So pretty much I owe everything about how I got here and my job to the people who got me here. So um, working at Ole Miss and then working in the Cape kind of helped me build my resume. And so I actually applied for, um, in October of my senior year of college, so it was before my second year with the Gateman, um, I actually applied for the MLB Diversity um, Fellowship. And so I got through a couple rounds of that and then didn't wind up getting it. And so through that, um, Tyrone Brooks is kind of over that process and he emailed me I think in February of that following semester and he said you know hey Sydney um, I have your materials from that process um, we have another opportunity where I could go to the Sabre Analytics Conference um, with the group that he was taking there to Phoenix and so I kind of jumped on that and went there and learned a ton and met a lot of people and um, actually there's a, a, a guy that is now full-time with us now that was in my group with me there so that was pretty cool um, but just getting to know Tyrone and kind of telling him what I wanted to do. And I stayed in touch with him and um, summer 2018, he called me and said, Hey, the Rays have this job open. Um, at the time it was coordinator of baseball admin. And so he's like, you know, it's kind of a long shot because you don't have any <laughs> um, like major league experience, but you know, it'd be good to just get your resume there. And I was like, yeah, for sure. Kind of send whatever. And so I kind of kept that quiet just because I knew, I had a hunch that I probably was not going to get it just based on the job description and kind of the experience that they wanted. And so a couple um, days later, he called me back and he was like, you know, they need somebody with more experience. You know, they liked your resume. Um, keep doing what you're doing. And I was like, okay, cool. Thanks. Whatever. And then I didn't really think too much about it until I received a phone call in September. So um, they, from that position, they hired within for that coordinator position and um, so they had this next, my job available. Um, and so they already had my resume and I guess Tyrone put in a good word for me. And then I had a few phone interviews and then they flew me out there um, for, it was about a, it was about a seven hour interview process. <laughs> um, oh, wow. Yeah. But it was, it didn't even feel, I, I, this is so cliche, but like, it didn't even feel like an interview. It, like after I started interviewing with my first person, which was Haim, um, you know, he, he's great. So I just felt so relaxed and kind of just went through the day and everybody's awesome. And I kind of just felt like I was having conversations about baseball, which I guess is a good thing. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you just, you just mentioned something. I was going to get into this a little bit later, but you mentioned the name now. So we have to, we have to get into it. So Heim Bloom, what was that like interviewing with him, especially kind of looking back at it now, obviously he's, he was a former coworker for you but looking back at it now as someone who's high up with the Red Sox is is that intimidating looking back at it after the fact <laughs> no not I mean I was probably intimidated at first just because I was new and I was an interviewee and I started with our senior vice president um and so that was uh, when Chanda told me you know you're gonna start with Haim I was like all right we're starting way up there that's fine um so but no he's great he's very personable he, he you know he's he's great so I'm very fortunate that I was able to kind of be there for a year or so um before he went on to 
bigger things. Um, and so we're, it was, it's a very, it was, it's very sad for us. Cause I mean, he's been there for so long and he was kind of part of the glue that helped held us all together. And so, um, but we we're so proud of him. You know, he's, he's an, couldn't have happened to a better person. Um, the Red Sox got a good one. And so I kind of laughed whenever he left um, for the last time. And I was like, you know, eight-year-old Sydney is so jealous. Well, like 23-year-old Sydney is jealous, but eight-year-old Sydney is, this is wild. You're living out her dream. So um, it's, it's pretty cool. What would you say your relationship is like with him? Obviously, you had a good interview because you stuck around and you, you were brought on by the Rays, but how is that an initial interaction like with him? And then from there, what was the relationship you were able to build with him? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we're one thing that I realized like really quickly is, you know, we're all just people and no matter how long they've all been there or we've been in our jobs, we're just people trying to win a game. <laughs> um, and so we all are very, um, I think my coworkers are very personal, personable, and um, we really fost. Heim was a, a huge part of fostering, you know, the Raysway culture that we have, and so um, he is never. And Eric's this way, and James was this way, and pretty much everyone is like, you know, we're all employees, and we're all working together, and we're pretty much a family, and so no one is kind of. I mean, there's a hierarchy, but as, as term as far as like positions but there's no type of like mental hierarchy there like no one thinks they're better than anyone else um because that is just not a great environment to be in um mm -hmm. so everyone's very comfortable or i would say i'm very comfortable i feel like everyone is pretty comfortable working with everyone um like our they all know even our interns like they all know their our interns names and what our interns do and stuff like that so it's just a bunch of people trying to win a game. And <laughs> that's kind of how that relationship grew. So obviously he has his hands full right now with the Red Sox. Once things finally get underway, just between um, the Mookie and Price trade to the Dodgers, the sign stealing investigation that MLB just concluded with their report recently. And just in terms of trading those two to the Dodgers, obviously a little bit of a sense to, cut the payroll this year, maybe get under the luxury tax. So he's handling a lot in his first year. Just how do you think he's going to be able to do that based off what you've seen in Tampa? I would like to say perfectly, but nothing ever happens perfectly. <laughs> um, no, I, I have full confidence in him, um, which is sad for us, <laughs> but not really. Um, so no, I have full confidence in him. He's I, I don't remember if it was you that texted me um, or somebody texted me who's because I have a ton of friends who are Red Sox fans and they're like you know what is this and I was like trust everything he does you know he there's a reason I promise so no mm -hmm. I have full confidence in him and just how difficult does that make it like you were saying that he's in the division now this is a team that's a rival that you're going up against um, a lot during the season someone that you're battling with a lot so how does it sort of change your organizational approach if at all knowing that that a guy was so big like you were saying earlier in building that raise culture in their ways way kind of knows how you operate inside and out and is now taking that to a rival um i mean it's definitely more challenging than before but i mean we're just going to kind of operate the same way um do different things and i don't know I, it probably doesn't i mean it changes our culture's not really changed just because he did such a good job of um, he and other other people who helped him out there, but everyone kind of did such a good job of, you know, have, we have a solid foundation and we have a core group of people that, you know, we all trust. Um, so I think him, him being up there is sad and it, it's a little challenging because he's so brilliant. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think we're, we're going to operate the same way. Um, just kind of, Try to win the game. Mm -hmm. So do you have a favorite Heim Bloom moment? Is there anything that kind of sticks out to you as to what kind of person he is or any sort of funny moment that really you're going to really remember about him kind of now that you're not working with him anymore on a day-to-day -day basis? I don't know necessarily like a funny moment, but I, I know I keep going back to this, but, um, and I told him this when he, he left, you know, I thanked him for, everything I learned from him either directly or indirectly and you know I just said 
you were the first person I interviewed with and I was this you know 22 year old girl who didn't really know anything um and so you being the first person I interviewed I already felt at home with with a 20 minute interview um and so I think that I'm always going to remember that and that the way that I felt and that's kind of what he's known for um and he's really good at making people feel comfortable and welcome and you know valued and so I immediately just relaxed right after that interview and went went on with all my other ones and they were all the same pretty much and so um yeah I think that that's probably my favorite moment or my best moment with him Mm -hmm. that's awesome I like that there's definitely a lot of other I mean positive interactions but that that's one that's gonna stick with me for a while definitely going off of that Sydney um, we've talked about a little bit so far in terms of that raise culture and everything that you guys have been able to do down there and sort of building that brand of baseball. But what is it that just makes the Rays front office so great? It's not like you guys have the payroll of some of these other teams yet. You know, recently you guys have been putting out winning product after winning product year in, year out. Um, just how are you guys able to do it as an organization? Yeah, um, I, I think it's kind of our mindset. And I, I know this isn't just unique to us, but um, our kind of growth-minded, open-minded, you know, ability to take risks and we're not afraid to do that and we are not afraid to fail because you know if we fail you learn from that if you're you know if you're always somehow doing everything right and you're always succeeding you you don't ever really learn from that and you're just kind of kind of get stuck in your ways so I think um we kind of obviously the end goal is to you know win a world series but we kind of celebrate or um, encourage the process and the effort of getting there and not necessarily the outcome. Um, And so, you know, just knowing that as long as you're doing everything that you possibly can for the outcome to be positive, you know, you can't really do anything different as long as you're doing, you know, everything to the best of your ability. So um, if that outcome ends up being a negative one, then, you know, you just kind of shift gears and you, you think about, you know, okay, what part of this process could we have done differently? What do you think we didn't look at that we could have looked at a little bit closer? Um, so, and I mean, I know that's, that's kind of how a lot of teams operate, if not all of them, but I think just our people not being afraid to fail. And that's in large part our the culture that we've built, um, or that they've, I, I didn't build it, but, <laughs> um, the culture that they've built. Part of it now though. <laughs> yeah. Um, just, and like, I've never been afraid to, you know, ask questions or um, do something risky. And, you know, I might throw out a report that someone thought, like, I thought this person should go in the third round. And this person thought, you know, I wouldn't draft him in the top 20 rounds, you know, like, I, I'm not afraid to do that, because I know if, I'm going to learn from it, you know, and so someone's going to see it and they're going to, someone with way more experience than me is going to kind of give me their um, criticism or their feedback and I'm going to learn from that. And so I think just not being afraid to take those risks um, and our, our people in our upper management and stuff like that, they, there's never going to be any type of negative feedback as long as we're doing everything possible and, the effort is positive and the effort is there. Mm-hmm. When you first interviewed and it all went well and you kind of were able to see that sense of family and that culture right away, did that give you the confidence to go in there and sort of just do your job and hit the ground running? Or were you a little bit nervous and hesitant still because it was your first job in professional baseball and not wanting to have that, oh, I screwed up something if it was you know something small or something big because you just don't know yet because you haven't been in it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was definitely nervous just because I mean I'd never been in a front office before. That was my first front office experience ever, and so um, I was I was definitely nervous going in. But I mean, after the first couple of days, I realized you know we have Nerf gun wars, um, you know, during, during some some breaks that we take, you know, and so we all eat lunch in the break room together, and we we talk about random things, whether it's like movies, Japanese movies, or just it's it's a fun lunchroom conversation I said that we should probably start recording it and make it a podcast and cut out all the baseball stuff and 
throw it out there because we have we have some pretty interesting people um people who you know we have um someone who has a phd in meteorology and you know they we just have a variety of backgrounds there um but anyway getting back to the to the point of this question um so yeah i was intimidated but after the first couple of days i kind of realized you know this is my job and we're all people and we're doing this together and so um i've never really there, there's obviously at that be the beginning like i didn't want to mess up and i didn't want to make mistakes but i quickly realized that you know they didn't expect me to know what i was doing <laughs> um and so luckily the person who had my job was promoted from within and so she really really helped me out um kind of navigated me and how to how to do certain things and so um, one, one thing that really stuck out to me was in February, which was a few months after I started, um, I kind of royally messed something up and I was very worried about it. <laughs> um, and so our, I had to like kind of explain it to our scouting director, Rob, and, you know, I was just apologizing. I was like, I'm sorry. I, this was a huge mis like miscommunication on my part. I, I thought one thing, whatever. And he, he stopped me and he's like, said, you don't have to apologize for this. You know, not everyone working in baseball is pitching a perfect game. Like no one in baseball is pitching a perfect game. Like no big deal. Don't sweat it. And so from that moment, really, it's been, I've, I was already relaxed and in, in a point where I was comfortable with my job and comfortable with the people, but that moment really solidified like what our culture is and kind of how we do things. So do you get in on the nerf for us? <laughs> yeah I do I, I don't have my own Nerf gun I, I don't know why I haven't bought one yet I almost asked my parents for one for Christmas which is so funny um but yeah I, I use other people's when when they're not there oh, okay yeah. so you just go and you steal it and you do what you got to do yeah yeah it's kind of like an some people are like don't use my Nerf gun but some people are like you know just use it whatever um and so um just through the different roles that everyone has not everyone's in the office all the time and so just you'll hear some some nerf gun shots down the hall and you know you kind of have to hide behind your desk and they're gonna Prepare attack for battle yeah but the one the one rule is you can't you can't shoot anyone if they're unarmed so <laughs> oh, okay if, if, if someone's doing work you know don't don't bother them but <laughs> but other than that they're fair game other than that fair game <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Sydney, changing topics for a minute. Um, just baseball in 2020, what do you think this is going to look like? Uh, we were talking a little bit before, not that you necessarily have some super inside scoop on anything, but just what do you think is going to happen with this season? What are you guys preparing for as an organization? Just how do you think this whole thing is going to shake out? Yeah, I have no inside <laughs> information. Um, you know, we're just – the way we're handling on the amateur side, we're just handling it as if the draft was happening June 10th through the 12th, which it probably won't be three days if it, if it's on June 10th, but um, we're just kind of operating like that's the time, you know? Um, so in that respect, um, just kind of operating the same Do I mean, we're, we're doing things a little differently just because we have to, but um, as far as the workload and stuff like that, we're just kind of, pretending that the draft is June 10th um as far as the season which I don't I don't have um which my, my job is pretty much purely amateur anyway and so I don't have any kind of impact on the, the pro side of things um but I, I think we're kind of just all you know wanting baseball to come back and trying to do anything we can to make that happen um with the knowledge that you know the health of our fans and the health of our employees and our players are, are the number one thing so um yeah i there's no real i'm sure like you know our upper management is operating a little differently and trying to figure those things out but we're kind of just in this wait and see period um it, it seems like the phoenix florida plan is a better idea than just the solely phoenix plan um but I have no idea. That's total speculation. Um, mm -hmm. It wouldn't, I mean, the, the Florida Phoenix plan wouldn't be awful for us, I guess, just because we're in Florida anyway. But. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we're hoping that the Major League Baseball season is able to get underway in some capacity, hopefully, for 2020. Um, but as an organization that's hoping to compete, does that 
sting a little bit more knowing that you might not have a season when you have a pretty good team versus say if you were a team in total rebuild how would that sort of change your perspective yeah yeah I, I think it's probably a little different um depending on you know the team you work for um it, it does kind of sting a little bit because we think that I mean we we think our team right now is a little it's pretty good um like they are playoff contenders um so you know we we want to be able to watch them and we want to see that product on the field but we understand you know that this is something that's pretty much purely out of our control um Mm -hmm. so we're trying to be pretty positive about it and I think so far we're doing a pretty good job of being positive about it um but yeah it, it would it would definitely be great to see that product on the field but knowing you know there's nothing that we could have done differently um is I mean that's kind of what we're kind of clinging to so Mm-hmm. And on the collegiate side, uh, the Cape League just recently announced that their season is going to be canceled for 2020. Just Sydney, what were your reactions to hearing upon that, and what does the Cape League mean to you? Um, I was I was pretty sad about it, but I mean I understood that that it it definitely needed to happen. Like more than likely, just putting all those host families at risk is is not a good idea, um, and so. It's sad just the thought of it not happening um, because, I mean, the Cape means so much to me just as a person. Um, I know people people laugh about Wareham and how um, it's not the Cape or whatever, but, you know, I owe a lot about me to, you know, the people that I met in Wareham and the people that um, kind of helped me get to this point and all of the skills that I learned there, whether that was the people as an Andy or our fellow interns you know I've learned so much from um, interns that I worked with um, and having those relationships it's really sad for the players and it's it sucks that we can't watch them and that they can't play up there but on the other side I feel very sad for the interns that aren't going to get that opportunity because my best friends are pretty much 90% 90% of my best friends are pretty much interns that I met in Wareham. Um, and we, you know, we talk all the time and there's a huge chunk of those, those guys that are in um, like working in major league baseball, which an intern from 2018 is our amateur scouting intern now. So that, that's pretty cool. Um, so just not being able to build those relationships. I feel, I feel really sad for those people. Um, Cause it would have been, and you, and you know, it would have been the best summer of their life so far. <laughs> So, but you know, that, that the Cape, those people are so close knit and they're so supportive of each other that, you know, they're all 2021 is going to be fun. It's going to be fun. That's for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see that come back just in the sense that it's just, it's so unique in terms of the experience. I think it's something that honestly, it's hard to describe unless you go up there and you kind of see it. And especially being there day in, day out, whether it's seeing all these great amateur players come Um, and seeing them on a daily basis, but also, like you were saying, the relationships you can build with the people and even the fans and just the locals from the area. I think it's something that's really cool, and I know everyone's going to be excited to get that started back up in 2021. Yeah. But taking it back a little bit further, so how did you get your start up in the Cape League? How did you end up working for the Gateman up in Wareham? Um, Just how did that happen for you? Yeah, um, so my dad... um, played for Mississippi State and so he played for Coach Polk um, who um, used to coach in Wareham but he coaches now with Hyannis and so which I'm assuming he still does he did in 2018 Um, and so every a a cool thing about Coach Polk is that every birthday anniversary and Christmas he sends every player he's ever had a handwritten card every single every single player it's crazy and so it's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a fun family pastime that we read those. Um, <laughs> and so he said, I guess it was my, it was a Christmas card. Um, he sent to my family. Um, and so he said, you know, keep in touch. I'm, this is my, tw- however, 20th year, 30th year, I don't know, coaching in the Cape. And so I was like, Oh, I wonder if Cape, the Cape has any internships. So I kind of went on, all 10 websites and emailed all 10, all 10 GMs. And, you know, luckily Andy was the first one that emailed me back and he, the next day he called me and, you know, I guess kind of of an interview. Um, 
and kind of explained what it was and, um, you know, that this internship was more than just being, you know, a scout liaison or more than being um, like a game day intern. Um, and so, because that was one thing I was kind of worried about. I was like, you know, I don't want to go up there and spend all this money and not learn. <laughs> and so he kind of solidified that it was going to be a pretty much exceptional opportunity. And so I, at the time, hadn't started working with the Ole Miss baseball team yet. And so that was summer going into, or that was um, my junior year, like December of my junior year. And so I was still trying to get to work with the Ole Miss team. Um, it's a very difficult process trying to break in there, but um, I finally did. And I think I probably annoyed them enough that they were like, okay, you can work, <laughs> you can work with us. Um, and so I knew that we at Ole Miss operated bats and that was something that we were going to be doing in Wareham. And so I just wanted to sit by this guy who runs bats, which Ethan is now, he's, Ethan's the guy. Um, he was a student manager that ran it at the time. And so I sat by him and I was like, you know, I just want to learn this. I, you, I will provide whatever value you need, but it, you don't even have to know I exist. I just want to learn how to do this so I can do it in the Cape. And so it ended up being, I was, I kind of did some scout liaison stuff um, and kind of worked with our SID and then sat with Ethan and kind of learned that on the side. And then we had some type of student manager shift. And so Ethan had to do iScore and then I did bats. And so I was like, you know, you people would have been screwed if I wouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, so it was, it was pretty cool that, that I just, that was kind of just thrown on me and I already knew how to do that coming into working in Wareham. And so I was able to kind of help, help out the other interns that hadn't known it yet. And it's a pretty fairly easy, easy program to learn, to learn. Um, but being able to help them cry, there's another girl, um, being able to help them was, was fun, but yeah, that was kind of how I, how I got to the Gateman. And how did you make that jump the following summer? So you started off the player development scouting intern to the following summer. Now you're the assistant GM. Just how did that happen? Yeah. So I, you know, Andy, I stayed in touch with Andy, um, just through, he was a great contact to have in general, but he also kind of gave me some law school advice on, on the, on the way. And so, um, I needed a summer internship after my senior year in order to like officially graduate. And so I knew I wasn't job searching because I was going to law school. Um, and so I just needed some type of summer internship. And so he, you know, I guess liked me enough that, <laughs> and thought I would be some of somewhat value. And so he was like, you know, if you want to come back here, you, you could really help me out. And I kind of, um, supervised that intern process and, kind of helped those guys learn bats if they didn't know how to do bats and then was able to um, continue to learn scouting and get feedback from Andy and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And what is your relationship like with him? Obviously having someone who's been there for a while, Andy Lang, the Gateman uh, general manager, what was it like to be able to learn from him and just how was that relationship between you guys for those couple summers? It's great. It's a great relationship. Um, I, I think he might think differently. I don't know. Um, but no, being able to learn from him was, was pretty invaluable. Um, I, owe, I owe a lot to him, um, just taking a chance on, I really had no experience other than working for my high school baseball team. I kept um, Game Changer on the iPad or whatever. And then I did some, I worked in our athletic department for a little bit at Ole Miss, not even really in baseball, um, just kind of on the fan engagement, um, like ticket sales side of things and so you know taking a chance on me was was huge I guess um and so I'm very fortunate that he did that and then asked me to come back and I kept building those relationships um and just being up there in the scout deck and meeting different scouts and um kind of building that network was very helpful too um but yeah we we talk a few times a week probably um he I kind of helped him a little bit kind of trans transform the internship process um, and what those kind of look like because it, it changes every year. Um, it gets more and more technical. And so I laughed with him um, over this past Christmas break. I was like, Andy, if this would have been how this internship was when I was applying, I would have not gotten it. Like I would have not been at all qualified, but it's become such a well-known thing amongst 
undergrads that it's a it's a very beneficial internships and so it's it's pretty competitive now um which is great for him and it's great for those kids he kids they're like my age but mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> um he you know those interns don't provide a ton of value to him it's really him fostering that you know experience and really taking the time and um putting putting that time into those interns and you know he doesn't have to do that because it's not really benefiting him it's just him you know teaching others and teaching other interns and helping them get make those connections and gain that knowledge Mm -hmm. so as the assistant general manager what exactly were your duties um when you were in Wareham because obviously I assume that's got to be a little bit different than say if you were an assistant GM for the Red Sox or the Rays or another (laughs) team in in the MLB just how does that sort of um how does that sort of correlate like what exactly does that title entail as it relates to the Cape League yeah I I think the title is a lot cooler than it sounds I think my official title or whatever was assistant GM baseball ops supervisor or something like that um and so I kind of just handled logistics of the intern process too um and then also continued learning like scouting and learning those skills um and so kind of just coordinating and making sure that, you know, the interns were operating bats and they were doing um, what they needed to be doing and kind of they were, they knew where, what games to go to because they, the scouting intern, we did, we broke it up into two different groups. So there were one group, one group would go scout one week and then the other group would do bats one week and then they would switch. And so the scouting interns didn't always go to all the Wareham games. Um, we wanted them to go out and see different people too. Um, and so making sure that, they knew what games they needed to go to and making sure that they submitted those scouting reports to Andy and um, that kind of stuff. And then towards um, pretty much through the summer, we kind of kept eyes on um, all the summer leagues and those like different summer leagues and those performers out there. And so we kind of helped build um, the 2019, yeah, 2019 roster. Um, And then (laughs) toward, yeah, towards the end of this Cape season, you know, they, a lot of the guys go home. And so it was kind of mass chaos at the end because you're kind of scrambling to find people that come out there. Um, and so it, it was a funny, we, we did a lot um, of that kind of coordinating and logistical like roster construction in his office in New Bedford. And so um, he had this whiteboard and we had these magnets and we were like throwing magnets everywhere. And we were like, okay, this kid, is in Northwoods. Can we get him out of his Northwoods contract? This kid is in the NECBL. You know, we, we need, we need players. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. um, it was kind of like a mass chaos draft room for um, a lack of a better word, but yeah, so that, that's kind of what we did towards the end of it. Uh, yeah. And then before that, I kind of interviewed some of the interns that were coming or some of the baseball ops interns that were coming. Um, but yeah, it was, it was more of, kind of just doing anything to make his life easier, um, which hopefully I did. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So basically that's just the scene right there from Moneyball where Billy Bean's throwing all the names up onto the board. That's what I'm picturing. Ex- <laughs> Except it was probably a little bit of a nicer conversation in your room than in uh, that open A's yeah. room. <laughs> yeah. So how satisfying was it for you in terms of just to be able to see that product turn into a championship winning team? The Gatemen started off that season very well, won their division, swept through the playoffs, won all six of their playoff games. How cool is it to see the team that won you were there the year before to see the team you brought in the following year? Like you were saying, probably scouting some of those stat lines the previous summer, you know, maybe to get the 2018 team. But just how cool is it to see that whole team come together? Very, yeah, yeah. Um, it was a little bittersweet because I wasn't there. <laughs> so that was kind of sad, but... I, at the time, I thought I was moving on to bigger and better things at law school. Um, but so I, I watched um, the broadcast of those games and my parents watched the broadcast of those games here. Um, and so it, it was a cool experience just watching those guys and getting to know. The cool thing about the Cape is that, you know, there are still amateurs there from all around the country. A lot of these guys had never met each other before and they formed such cool friendships and such just they have a a great culture in the dugout um depending on the team but those guys you know Isaac Collins is one that kind of comes to mind you know he started as a temp 
Um, he was on a temporary contract and he kind of grinded his way through proving, you know, he deserved to be there full time. Um, and so he was there the full summer and he ended up making like a game. I don't know if it was a game saving catch in Chatham, but it was a pretty cool catch in Chatham in right field. Number one on Sports Center. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, so that that's one, one thing I really, really like about the Cape is that, you know, they go from these huge a lot of them go from all these huge programs and like these multi-million dollar complexes and then they go to Wareham and they're playing on a grappling field. <laughs> so um, just seeing those relationships form and seeing, um, you know, they kind of just have to play ball. You know, there's nothing else really there to distract them, especially in Wareham. Um, and so seeing those guys and their effort all through the summer, it was kind of sad that I wasn't there to hold the trophy or whatever, but um just watching them and talking to those guys afterwards and just letting them know, you know, proud of you guys. You stuck it out. I know it's a long season. Um, a lot of guys don't stay. Um, thank you for staying, I guess. Um, you know, you really, you proved a lot and, you know, it was, it was British, it was bittersweet, but it was fun. Mm -hmm. And what is your relationship like with some of those players? How much interaction did you have with them, whether it was on a day-to-day -day basis or just over the course of the season? Yeah. Um, so we had a few um, guys who were there in 2017 and they came back in 2018. So Joey Matulovich is one of them. Um, and so that was probably one of my favorite Cape experiences is the fact that he was there in 2017 and in 2018, the Brewers drafted him and he hadn't signed yet. So he came out to kind of prove himself a little bit more. Um, and so he played, I think he left or he left right before July 4th cause he signed July 6th. Um, and so being able to watch him and kind of become friends with him um, and, and watch him kind of grow that summer and then taking him to the airport to send him off to Phoenix to sign a contract was pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, um, just building those relationships and seeing I, – I didn't – you know, I, I, I kept my distance. I didn't want to, like, you know, become buddy-buddy with everyone, but just through – um, my role, the function of my role, one part was, um, to take the bats video and for player development, I would go with coach Lawler, who's the pitching coach, um, and kind of break down that video or he would break down that video with the pitchers. And so I would just be in the same room and kind of, th and that's one thing that was super valuable for me is that, you know, I didn't know anything really about scouting a pitcher and scouting I mean other than their stuff and their stat line you know I didn't realize what all went into the delivery and the mechanics and everything else and so being in that room with coach Lawler and those pitchers and learning you know what kind of things they needed to tweak and kind of what he thought could help them perform better um, that was very very valuable to me and I, th I think without that experience I would be much farther behind in and watching pictures and kind of breaking them down. That's really cool. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it's something that's beneficial, especially with Coach Lawley, someone who's been been around the game for a long time, and also seeing some top top end pitchers at that collegiate level, and still seeing that hey, they're obviously not perfect yet too. They still need to do a couple things to sort of tweak themselves, better themselves as well. All right, Sydney. Last question for you. In five years, what do you think you're going to be doing? Where do you want to be? It's a big one, I know. But what, what would you say would be kind of the plan? Because I know you were saying earlier, you like to have your plans. You like to plan it out, even if it's not going to happen. But what would you say if you were to plan it out five years from now? What's the ideal scenario for Sydney Malone? What are you doing? Ideal scenario. Um, well, ideal scenario is that we have five rings by then. Um, I'm kidding. Um, but <laughs> no. I, through this and through all the different roles I've had, um, whether at Ole Miss or in the Cape or the role I'm in, I'm in now, I really, it's really solidified the fact that I love the amateur side. Um, and especially with us, because I think, you know, the draft is so important and it's such a lifeblood to us that it's, it's very um, rewarding being on this side of it, I guess. And so just kind of going out and watching those players, I think, is a really fun, um, fun part of our job, obviously, but being kind of the beginning of the team, I know it's, it's an infinity and like circles around, but if you had to start somewhere, it's the draft, you know? And so 
whether those guys end up being major league players for us or they end up being traded somewhere, you know, those players are either vital to organization as a player, like for us, or they're vital trade pieces. And, you know, those pieces come from our farm system, which come from the draft. So being on the amateur side and kind of seeing how it all starts um, and you kind of get an aspect of kind of every side of the game because we work a lot with player development, you know, during this amateur season and kind of talking with them and then after they're drafted, still working with player development because, you know, we got to send all these guys to a different <laughs> affiliate and then um, seeing like our pro scouts and what they think of these players. So you kind of, through the amateur side, you kind of get to tap into every bubble. Um, and so um, it's pretty cool that we are able to um, do that. And so I, I know that that's kind of where I want to be. I want to stay in the amateur side. I don't really know really what that five-year role would look like, um, but you know, just kind of, I guess, moving moving up and kind of taking on more responsibility and doing different things um, on the amateur side. Um, but, I mean, who knows? You know, five years ago, I would have told you that I would be in law school and I would be interning at an agency <laughs> somewhere. So in five years, who, who knows? I might, I might fall in love with the sports science side of things and, and do that. Um, and so, but I, I, I think that being on the amateur side is hopefully where I would be still in five years, just taking on more responsibility and kind of going through the ranks there, I guess. Mm -hmm. Well, Sydney, you survived that last question. Congratulations. <laughs> My dad walked in. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Well, Sydney, that's all I have for you. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk with me. And I hope you and your family stay safe right now during quarantine and all the crazy times that are going on. And hopefully we'll see baseball again soon. Yeah, thank you for having me. No problem.